the expression from the music inspired me so much to take risks and it inspired damn near the whole rap game. Hello again, I'm Adam Unz. You may know me as the host of The Opus, and now I'm bringing my own show, The Spark Parade, to the Consequence Podcast Network. I speak with artists and creatives about the cultural artifacts that spark their personal interest and creativity, whether it's music, books, movies, video games, or any other kind of art. I've never spoke about it in this amount of detail. I'm suddenly going, oh my God, I'm blowing my own mind here, Christ. It's, it's actually a giant part of my life. By talking about the things we love, we share and discover insights into our personality and the things that drive us. It's just magic, really. I mean, frustrating and it makes some people angry, but I don't think anyone's ever done anything like it. I speak with people like Connor Robers, Phoenix's Thomas Mars, Chris Gethard, Helen Hong, Adrian Young, and more, so their sparks of inspiration can start a fire in you. I'm grateful for those who continue to put our history and who we are as a people in the forefront and make you see it. Find the Spark Parade wherever you get your podcasts. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. The Popes of Chilitown formed in London nearly a decade and a half ago. Having formed after what many people consider to be the height of the household names record scene in the UK, the Popes clearly took influence from these bands, incorporating diverse elements like ska, punk, metal, grime, hip-hop, garage, and electronic music. But they've carved out their own sound that manages to blend these disparate genres into something very natural and organic. They've seen their audience grow in the past decade as a result. Their fourth album, Take a Picture, was released on June 30th, 2023. Make sure you grab a copy now. I've been a pretty outspoken fan of the UK ska scene for, or the ska punk scene, I should say, for years. Popes of Chili Town are definitely one of those bands that I feel like people need to pay more attention to. Yeah, they came out right after sort of like that household name records like where the peak of that scene kind of came and went so but like they carry some of the musical traditions of that scene and they do like they do it really well and they continue to evolve in interesting ways yeah every time there's a new uh ska punk band from the uk i'm always on board to check them out and uh i i really think that everybody should check out the new popes of chili town record and uh, hopefully I'll get to see him live one day. Yeah, come to the U.S. Yeah, or I'll come to the U.K. Yeah, or we'll come there. And that, I, Did that sound like a threat? It wasn't supposed to be. I want to start by talking about your song, uh, 14 Time. Okay, cool. Yeah, I think that's probably one of my favorite tracks by you guys. Um, nice. Yeah, it's from To The Moon, your second album. I dig the kind of like the, it's got a nice ska reggae vibe with hip hop style vocals and stuff um i feel like there's a story behind that song i'd love to hear uh what's the story behind that song i mean um i I guess the story behind that song is um it's about growing up in london and um you know being being massive fans of reggae scar two-tone and all that all those different um waves of 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 jamaican influenced music that have that have um 
uh, you know, that have influenced us as a, as a band, as individuals and as a collective. So, like, you know, my dad grew up in Herne Hill, which is around the corner from Brixton. And, you know, I grew up on a, on a diet of, of ska and reggae music and listened to all his, all his old 45s from, you know, all the, all the Trojan reggae stuff. And um, I guess, like, you know, it's, it's all like saying, like, you know, when I say, look, we don't even know how to play the kettle drum. I didn't even mean the kettle drum. I meant like a steel pan drum. <laughs> but at the time, I got the <laughs> lyrics wrong for that. So I guess the kettle drum's like a timpani, but who gives a fucking shit? <laughs> but it's about it's about playing like a bit, I guess like you know white boys playing reggae and saying it's okay to do it now because I've been doing it for so bloody long. So um, yeah, I've been listening yeah. to reggae since 1991 since I guess I was like I guess like seven years old and um, yeah, just um, just appreciating that that sort of music and just vibes into those rhythms really, and then just making it about you know um, you know the fact that we are from London, England, not Kingston, but also not just King not Kingston, Jamaica, but not Kingston in Surrey. <laughs> as well so yeah i guess it's um just just my my view of like just being able to chat about anything and um just like just keeping keeping the party going keeping it vibes in the 14 time bit references um thing from lee scratch perry because lee scratch perry was like doing sort of sort of like um like pull it up um rewind thing um well, on a song he was doing live once he's like you pull it up once it's like no nah, two time and you pull up a third time so like, no nah, three time he basically pulled up the song 14 times. Really? Um, or was it? No, it was doing like... No, um, 13. Like, it was 13 times, it? It thir- yeah, it was 13 times. Um, no, it's actually, you know, it was give it to me like, you know, like give it to me one time. And it's like, damn, give it to me two times. Bam, bam. And he's like, give it to me 13 times. So, dun, 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 Based on the beats are good, like Robin Hood and Mate Mary, and it's just like trying to reference like a bunch of English shit. I love the video. You guys have lots of nice props. Uh, some of it relates mm-hmm. specifically to what you're talking about. Some of it's just you're kind of throwing stuff in there. So let's mm-hmm. uh, let's go through some of it. Um, obviously, there's the specials LP at the beginning, but you also throw in the League of Gentlemen DVD, which you mentioned in the song. Yeah, yeah. I'm a big fan of that show. I don't know how many people in the states have watched League of Gentlemen. Can you can you say what League of Gentlemen is? Yeah, I guess it's a pretty niche reference if you're not from the UK. But um, yeah. you know, like I guess that's that's your poetic license. You can just talk about whatever's relevant to you. And if like, if people get it, they get it. If they don't, then they're going to Google it, and then they'll you know enhance their their, their you know their cultural appreciation of things they didn't encounter before. But the League of Gentlemen is like a, a pretty um pretty sort of dark humor kind of um off the wall kind of. It's kind of a sitcom. It's kind of like a, a dramatic comedy about um, a little a little village called Royston Vasey, which is the original name of um, quite a quite a quite a controversial, outmoded comic from the UK called um, Roy Chubby Brown, and his original name was Royston Vasey. So, yeah, they they they're basically uh, these characters are from this little village, and it's about that sort of like. Um, that that village versus city mindset they don't like the new people they don't like the new road being built and you know all the people in there they're like you know vaguely cannibalistic and um like incestuous <laughs> and like you know this is this one guy who just like is like mad for toads and he's got like this this, this weird underground you know um almost like sort of scientific dungeon full of full of toads and at one point like one of the uh one of the city folk who comes to visit gets locked up there and you know he tried to tries to esca- tries to escape and then um, like kills a bunch of toads <laughs> and then and there's like a there's like one shop where anytime anyone comes in there the 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 shop owners are like this is for local people yeah yeah this is a local shop for local people yeah. there's nothing for you here yeah it's it's pretty weird 
Um, yeah, and, and those those two are like brother and sister, and like they got these they turned up noses, and you can tell like the, the gene pool hasn't really been, um, you know, they, they've been fishing from the same part for for a few generations. Anyway. <laughs> now let me get your opinion on this. Uh, I watched the show, I loved it, and then I saw um, Little Britain. Little Britain made its way to the U.S. in a much much bigger way. I kind of thought, I feel like Little Britain is like the the light version, the not quite as not quite as interesting version of League of Gentlemen. That's what I, that was my feeling. Yeah, it's, it's not quite as funny and it hasn't really stood the test of time. And I think in, in places, Little Britain's a bit, mm, it, it's, 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 it's a bit racist in places, really. Sure, it's yeah. Bit, it's, a, it's not my cup of tea anyway. And it's very much, um, you know, it's, it's catchphrase led. I mean, the League of Gentlemen's got some catchphrase comedy in it, but it doesn't rely on that. It relies on the, um, the, the situational comedy, the, um, you know, the, um, uh, the dramatic buildup and the, 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 the ridiculousness of the whole setting whereas um you know i think league of gentlemen sort of like it was, it was funny at the time but it hasn't really stood the test of time but it's, it's nice when british comedy does make its way across the pond i think like british comedy has always influenced american humor to, to some degree and, sure, and, also, yeah. and vice versa yeah. but you know like i think some of the greatest exports like you know monty python are, are well known of but there's a there's other there's other shows like bottom that people might not know about which is absolutely fucking hilarious which is basically is a lot of um, um, you know physical humor in there, and I think it's sort of like it takes its it takes its lead from you know sort of like you know um, Buster Keaton and, and Chaplin and things like that. But it's um, you know the the sort of the, the level of, of violence within that show is is, is quite quite hilarious, and the, the ways that they they injure each other, um, and just the level of debauchery and the complete complete sadness of the two protagonists. It's like there's there's, there's nothing in re- redeeming or endearing about either of them. Um, they're just living in this shithole flat in Hammersmith, and it's just like you know they're just pathetic losers, really. And I think people can laugh at you know such characters when there's when they're not sort of like you know put up there as like any sort of heroes. They're not even anti-heroes. They're just they're they're just losers. They're they're victims of their own nonsense, really. Yeah, that definitely seems to be a running theme in like a, a certain segment of British comedies. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, but it's funny because like the things that that do get popular here, like for instance with Two Tone, like I feel like Madness, who to me seem like the most overtly British in their references and and their presentation, seem to have like captured a larger audience in the states than any of the other Two Tone bands. And I was kind of thought that was kind of fascinating because because they're so British. And like the things they talk about and reference probably don't make a lot of sense to a lot of people in the states. No, I mean, interesting you mentioned madness actually because like they like one one of their you know like um they got a big almost like a big break. They were featured on on the young ones, which was um another yeah yeah BBC um sitcom. And actually, the two guys in bottom were Aid Edmondson and Rick Mail, who were two of the four or two of the five stars of um, the young ones. Anyway, so yeah, I think you know madness. Why are they more successful than you know than than the specials or um, or the selector, I, I think it's just that the songs speak for themselves. I mean, the, the specials have got a whole bunch of songs. Obviously, you know, some of the musicality in in the madness stuff is is pretty mad. But obviously, like the specials and madness, they're they're, they're still reimagining of old of old reggae tracks anyway. Okay, like one step beyond. Yeah, you you grow up thinking that's a madness song, but it's not. Yeah, yeah, I did until one day I was like, oh, okay. Uh, but I think madness had quite um, yeah. I, I don't know. Maybe it's the broadness in in the sound that they they had. I, I think when I first. Heard madness. I, d- I didn't really know about ska music myself for for a long time, uh, kind of growing up. And but I did know about madness, um, and I did know madness 
songs. So I don't know. Uh, you know, maybe maybe there was just a, uh, uh, you know, something in the broadness of, of the way they wrote stuff. I don't know. But yeah, I, I didn't yeah. know that, that, that they were the more popular one in, in the states. Yeah, I think there's something uh, really big about like this duality of uh, on songs on when you're very specific about something, it makes it yeah. more universal. So I think that manners do have that kind of stuff, even though their references are really. As 14th time as well, like the references are really British, but they speak to something that is really particular to someone. And even though you're hearing a reference that's something that you might never have heard before, uh, you connect that to something that you know about and how you're feeling towards that thing uh, is the same as probably some, some other persons around the world feeling about some other things is you connect to the things the same. Mm -hmm. So back to your video, um, you put up a, I think it's a comp. It looks like it says Scott, AKA. What what is that? Do you remember? You know what I'm talking about? Uh, yeah, that was like one of the first sort of like um, Scar CDs um, compilations that, that we had in the house. I can't remember. I think that's just like listening to reggae since 1991. I think that comes up next to a picture of Timmy Mallet, if I remember correctly, who's like mm. some children's TV presenter. I think it was just like whatever you know CD I had around the yard, really, that was vaguely Scar related at the time. But yeah. <laughs> That was like, um, yeah, that had like missing words by the selector on it. it had mirror in the bathroom. Had, um, yeah, I think, it had night boat to Cairo on it, and some, you know, some other things. Um, yeah, it was just like, yeah, it had like a Fred Perry shirt on the front. Um, yeah, it's just one of any number of like compilation CDs that you you, you could have found down Woolworths, which was, you know, R.I.P. Woolworths doesn't exist anymore. So there we go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Woolworths, R.I.P. Yeah. Yeah, I guess uh, Matt's uh, Matt's prop uh, videos game is really strong. Like he always brings some some cool stuff into the videos, and yeah, he's 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 definitely got stuff. Yeah, I've definitely got a lot of shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and like I think when it comes to like making videos, like <laughs> some of the times we like, oh, we have a video next week, and we're like we're focused on like, oh, can everyone make it? Can everyone get there? And then we get there, we're like, oh, what are we actually doing? <laughs> what's, uh, classic, what's the plan? Oh, I'm like, well, I, I like we just did a video for like a, a, a one of our new singles, take a picture. I was like, well, I've got a load of bones. I've got like a, I've got a dinosaur skull and like this 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 um sort of animatronic <laughs> skeleton. Can we fit that in? It's like a whole, whole bunch of old cameras. Yeah, that'll do. That's fine. You know, everyone got two t-shirts. Yeah, yeah, it's fine. It's fine. That'll do. Let's um, go. Yeah. But I think 14 <laughs> time is like um we actually did plan that and um we still got all the props there. And actually, like I think I think one day like we're probably gonna like auction them off for charity or something and like yeah. <laughs> sell them at like 10p a go i don't know um maybe a quid um and see if anyone you know want, want, wants a piece of pope's history <laughs> so <laughs> so there's a so shot where you guys are all wearing shirts and it's just you so that one of you is wearing a toaster shirt one of them, the shirt is treehouse fire i'm not sure who, who's treehouse fire oh you don't know tree, tree, so they're a band um that have been I guess they've been around sort of quite a similar length of time to uh, Pope's, um, or at least they've been around for for, for uh, at least uh, over ten years, from what I can remember. But um, they're very sort of cl closely knit to uh, um, uh, the sort of scene we mm. uh, play in. Uh, we've done a lot of gigs together over the years. Um, they're they're a, I guess sound wise, they're a lot closer to um, the more sort of UK reggae sort of vibe you know maybe a little bit closer to something like like the skins i, I guess um uh, but they've been around they're still going they're still you know doing really well i'm sure that sure they'll probably pop up on your radar at some point soon and then there's a uh, risky and the ridicule oh have you, um and they're another band that have been around for a very uh, you know uh similar similar length of time to us and they're 
I, I, you have, have you not? You're not familiar with risking the ridicule. I'm familiar with them. You're not, Aaron. I'm not. No. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So they're they're absolutely um yeah do, doing very well at the moment and um uh you know similar similar to sort of fan base I guess with uh, Pope's and um yeah you know I'd hi- highly recommend checking them out. It's more sort of like right. uh, punk punk meets uh, sort of grime fast lyric um, energy, but they've they've been they've been around uh you know around the block. Yeah, they're an amazing band. I didn't know about them before I came to the UK. Obviously, I started playing with them uh, with Popes, and they're a banging band. They're really good, and they also have they they do have songs about how they don't belong to certain scenes, but they do play with the scat punk <laughs> scene a lot in here. But I guess they don't make it out of the scat punk <laughs> scene outside of the UK because they're not really scat punk, but they do share the stage with a lot of scat punk bands in here, and they're really worth checking out. Yeah. I mean, they definitely fit more with the UK scat punk bands than. I mean, than they would with like just regular rock or punk bands. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's. I think it's that sort of. There's a sort of culture, kind of. Um, uh, you know, I guess over the years with with more recent sort of UK ska bands, uh, there was a more incorporation of um, uh, you know th- things like hip hop and grime and um, the sort of, sort of fast lyrics. And I think sometimes you get bands. It, it might not be the ska specifically the ska elements that. Um, cause them to cross over and and sort of fit into each other's sort of scene there's more some of the other elements like you know i guess we've done a lot of gigs of risky over the years and i'm I'm, I'm sure people sort of see um similar sort of um uh sort of vibes or or sort of similar things in terms of the types of uh you know uh front men uh we have and and the way they mix up sort of singing and sort of fast lyrics yeah, you mentioned like um, I think there was that there's four t-shirts in the video, and basically like, there's four of us on the screen, and we're wearing each t-shirt, and we do a little like little cut, and then like everyone's wearing a different t-shirt, but we stay in the same positions or something like that. And I think the four t-shirts are now you mentioned them: toasters, treehouse fire, risky, and I think the other ones, uh, counting coins. Counting and coins. And so counting coins, they're like um, yep. they're like another and the front guy from 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 counting coins is Harry, and um, you know you got you got Scott Risky from Risky. And yeah, they're like, you know, they're like pretty established, um, you know, pretty, pretty decent rappers. And, um, you know, and, uh, you know, me and those guys, like we, we like talking fast. We like talking fast over, over reggae and ska and fast guitars and loud guitars. And I think like, you know, it, the irony of it is like you've got put the other band being the Toasters and like the Toasters probably the only band there who aren't like in that sort of like reggae toasting style of singing fast and, and rapping over lyrics, but they're actually called the Toasters. <laughs> yeah but um yeah there's definitely that element to the uk scar punk scene where there is that that fast-paced lyricism and uh, that that high energy mm-hmm. and it's just you know where those bands sort of cross over really you know sometimes there's like the reggae crossover there's the rap crossover and that's influenced by like you know uk garage as much as it is by drum and bass and then also like by hip-hop and, and grime and things like that and the rave culture yeah rave culture exactly yeah yeah i mean one of my favorite things about the uk ska punk scene has always been that I feel like where you guys pull uh, inspiration from is a little bit more limitless than other places in the world where you guys will pick stuff from, from rave culture, drum and bass uh, things, you know, grime and uh, put it into the music and it makes it much more like genuinely from, from the UK. I feel like. Yeah. But I think we're, it's an island, it's an island nation, isn't it? So this island yeah. has been, been invaded, you know, several times. And my, my heritage is Irish. Arvin's is Indian. Trosso's is Brazilian. So like, you know, we've all, we've all come to this country from other places, like people have done for thousands of, of years. So, you know, mm-hmm. people always bring their influences, whether it's 
you know, food technology or, or music or whatever. So it's all it's a big it's a big melting pot. And you know, London is really like, you know, an example to the world of multiculturalism and that, you know, one of the one of the uh, you know the products of that is is the diverse musicality of of the people who live in London, also in in other other cities and other parts of the country as well. So yeah, there's there's, there's lots of things that people are influenced by, and that's 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 what makes it sort of you know slightly different to to European ska or like you know West Coast US um, ska punk, which you know it's more sort of maybe like sort of a skate punk kind of kind of vibe. Yeah, the, uh, I'm curious about your uh history with um sort of the hip-hop grime elements with your vocals uh-huh is that something that you had early on or is that something that you sort of developed um as the band developed uh no i reckon like i've been emceeing and, and like rapping over music since i was about 12 so like i guess you know it was um like we talked about uk garage and like basically you go to house parties like when we were teenagers and like you'd have um you'd have someone doing DJing and, you know, someone being an MC. Like my brother got a pair of decks, like got a pair of, um, oh, I can't remember what they were now, but they were, they were rubbish. But um, so I used to like, <laughs> drop, all, drop all the garage tracks, like do Lally straight from the heart and show that Amar and, and, um, you know, like all like Shanks and Bigfoot and, um, you know, um, all the stuff on Red Rose recordings. And so we just play them up in the top room of the house and, you know, mum would be saying, shut up, turn that down. But, you know, <laughs> you carry on. And like, we didn't have a microphone, but like, I'm, I've got a big pair of headphones on now, but basically you plug the, um, you plug the headphones into the mic socket. You get like a, a small to big adapter or whatever. And you plug the headphones into the mic socket and then you, you, you could wrap down the left headphone. So that's what we do. And then, um, yeah, we had two sets of headphones before we had a set of head, headphones and a mic. So yeah, I've just been wrapping out you know, out the window for, for years. And then like, you just go around to, to, to like garage house parties and like people just almost like form an orderly queue and just like wait to um, chat down their eight, 16 bars. And then like go to the back of the queue, start again. Do you know what I mean? And if someone, <laughs> someone just stood on the mic for longer, if it's sacred vibes and that was great. But one of the things people used to do is like, I read a bit, 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 you know, just like <laughs> wasting bars, just trying to stay on the mic for longer. Which, uh, <laughs> yeah. It wasn't really me, but that's like, when you see a lot of like the drum and bass, um, um mcs now like they don't actually rap that much it's just more about keeping the flow going and it's like that's, mm-hmm. that comes from that that house party circuit of just keeping keeping the crowd bubbling keeping it alive whereas i'd, I'd rather sort of like write the bars and just like just just get those bars out really are there any any tropes in that sort of freestyling that uh you absolutely hate yeah and end every end every sentence with an e it's like there's like a so solid yeah. it's like it's like, what does it take to be a garage MC? Personality, originality. And also <laughs> at that time, like um, garage MCs like in the UK used to chat with American accents. Like, you know, I didn't personally, but you know, at the time everybody used to chat with American accents. But basically, a garage MC would just sound like and I'm now with the melody. Rule boy DJ, here we go, no diggity. I'm gonna say when I might is telling me. I'm the red fan when in front of me. I'm vibing you out at the party. Here we go, here we go, and I'm another one. Here we go, yeah, you know there's everyone. You're just like just whatever. Just like everyone, you know, that's like you don't need sort of like think about like one or two words at the end of it. And that's where that's where that came in at the start of it, because people weren't really thinking that far ahead. But yeah, the sort of tropes of that would be like, you know, like um you know, when I say blah, blah, you say you. So, like, so we still do that in the live set. Like, when I say chili, you say down, chili. No one said it, but there we go. You know, oh, uh, shit. And- oh yeah, <laughs> well, I edit that in. Yeah, that's fine. Don't worry about it. Um, but yeah, like, guess, guess that sort of thing. But um, yeah, I don't know. Just like, 
just keeping it vibes in like having that mix of um the fast chatting but also the, the melodic concept as well so i think that's where like garage tunes like you'd have the the, the melody or that like, the chorus would be supplied by by the beat in the background and so like the rap would just be the verse but i think as the music developed people then started putting like their own melodies and verses together you'd have like a bunch of standard tracks that people would just rap their own verses over the top of but then as it developed and like turned into grime that's when like people like dizzy rascal like would start having their own verses and their own melodies for choruses like all in the same tune already produced and um yeah that, that i guess that develops then into like you know sort of like um sort of like a a, a rap dub punk kind of element where you know you're, you're creating full songs with just like you know rappy verses like sing-songy choruses but then like you know metally breakdowns as well so that's like, just just fusing all those different elements together and yeah so it's still evolving do you know what i mean like like our, our new album like take a picture that's like it's very different from like our last album which was different from the one before it which was different from the first one so you know it's just it's just about progression really isn't it mm-hmm. yeah i feel like i feel like take a picture um now there's a lot of elements to it but i feel like there's more heavy elements in this one than in previous records and and also like and more like electronic sounds kind of slipped in there. Yeah, um, I mean the the electronic sort of stuff. I, you know, I guess um, it sort of started off with. I, th- I think it's something that's kind of happening um, sort of more uh, now with with, with with sort of bass bass lines and uh, bass culture. Uh, we, there was a period before we started writing it. We were just experimenting a bit more with um, sort of layering uh, like bass uh synth and it kind of started there um with a couple of um sort of ideas and, and tunes and then that sort of um yeah kind of evolved more into a to a sound of this album and then uh jack obviously but you know brought in a lot more um sort of sounds and layers um or electronic layers to, to hooks and, and that kind of thing so yeah no, i'd say that's definitely true with the electronic side jack being the drummer obviously yeah yeah one of the things I like about you, and I see it's 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 continued to be true on the new record, is how much you're able to take different elements and and put them in the same song, but not it doesn't feel like jarring, like 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 you're suddenly shifting. Oh no, here's the here's the metal section, here's the ska section. It kind of it blends really naturally to where you might not even notice that it's so many different elements are in it. Like um, mm-hmm. I think uh, Colin Firth's first birthday, I think. Might be my favorite track from the new record, but uh, like one of the things that's really cool about it is it's like it's got kind of this nice like mid tempo kind of upbeat ska type of groove with hip hop vocals, but then there's like this dark metal riff that kind of comes and goes that really doesn't fit, but it does. Yeah, I mean that's I mean so that um, that that sort of riff I, I think that was um, uh, something a trosso brought to, to the table. In fact, uh, um. You know, so it's the first album we've worked with um, uh, this lineup uh, with uh, Trosso and our uh, guitarist uh, Mike. Um, he sort of joined, um, uh, you know, a little while before we got to uh, recording it, uh, and yeah, can it contributed to some some writing as well. But uh, we do we do generally in Popes have um, a, a lot of, sort of random hooks and ideas coming together, and that you know that, that, that does sort of come to our. Um, uh, attention as well in in terms of um you know wondering whether whether everything sort of fits in the same universe um but yeah you know you know some somehow it it, it sort of does yeah i think that i was very um so i joined pops in 2019 so that was 
after the you know penultimate album and when while we were record well, just writing all these songs for take a picture and i was bloody mesmerized by the amount of like different references and, and different stuff that they were trying to put in the songs and i was in the room for you know most of most of the stuff but when lockdown hit for the first time then we started creating alone and then i came up with that riff and then we developed the song later on in a session in which uh, our guitarist mike couldn't come to the session so i was playing guitar and we came up with with this whole thing but it was really hard to because i come much more from a from a from an american ska punk uh, kind of influence uh, i didn't know a lot of uh, uk ska because i think i came into the uk in 2015 so that was just about when you know streaming and you know worldwide music was accessible from anywhere and uh, but when i was here i was like it was just like mind-blowing how as you were saying how this different influences and different rhythms and different ideas can come together into a ska punk song and you know i was just trying to do something that would be relevant and that would be impactful for the thing and then came up with with this riff but it's really hard to chip in uh with stuff when you come from the outside and you and you see these things that is like oh this is good am i that good as well to like chip in with something but then i just started throwing ideas at, at everyone and this one is this one that I picked up yeah great great idea yeah and i think like it each each idea sort of like comes from the last one that we've done as a group. It might have been something that Trossel or Ivan or myself or Jack or Mike or Jimmy brought to the table, but like the, each next new idea comes from the history of ideas we've had within the last the, the, the year prior to that or the, or the two years prior to that. Mm-hmm. So I think like with, with like Colin first first birthday, like I think that when actually when we got in the studio, like I changed my mind about which verse I was going to put over the top of that. And actually, the melodic bit towards like the latter part of the song, I think, was actually earlier on in the song. But I was doing it at the studio. And I thought, now nah, this isn't quite right. So I thought we'd just change it, and that's where we changed the, the sort of like the concept of the song and just put that verse in instead. And um, thinking about it, as we'd like done like a couple of um, a couple of verses of it, then like we started cutting beats out of that sort of mid late um, sort of like brassy section towards the end. You know, like Jack said, like, oh no, we'll just like skip a beat here and just like to just keep people sort of like thinking about it um and then yeah i don't know like it's just it just kind of makes sense like we don't overthink it either we don't yeah, like yeah. set out to plan a song like oh we need you know this um a b a c a d a b structure or whatever we just we just want to have like just whatever whatever comes next is based on what's immediately happened you know just just before that so it's, it's kind of it's just kind of normal really for us yeah i love the way how how, how inclusive the jam room is because Whenever anyone like suggests any idea, we're like, yeah, let's at least try it. It's not like uh, I don't think that's gonna work. No, let's try it. And then if it doesn't work, like it doesn't work. But most of the times it do, it does, and then we just take it from there. Yeah. By the way, I like the the closing line of that song. Answer the dark truth inside of you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. 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 So it's about I get you know that that part of it that was like one of the original elements of the song that that was there um, before I started putting in like the bits about like looking in the mirror and cutting your face open and pretending you're Colin Firth and all that. <laughs> it was just more about like um, there was this YouTube video about Winnie the Pooh, right? And Winnie the Pooh was like praising. praising like, I, we, we have a, we have a, we have a before I go on we have like a, a, a multi faith approach to like our understanding of the world. Like we uh, we understand you know humanism catholicism judaism sikhism buddhism you know islam all that but you know we have like that, that's a bit of a nod to satanism in there in a little bit because winnie the pooh is there praising satan in the mirror and, <laughs> and drinking yak's blood 
Um, and it's an answer the dark truth inside of you is about listening to that. It's like that tenacious D, the pick of destiny, the end of that. And he's like, you know, Satan's a little voice in your ear that says, I don't want to go to work today or I don't, or whatever it is. And it's like, it's like answer the dark truth inside of you. It's like, listen to that, listen to that bad voice inside of you that says, I'm feeling, like, the lyrics are like, I'm feeling kind of lazy. I don't know if I want to get up and try life or stay in bed until the sun retires. Like, just like, I don't know if I can be bothered getting out of bed today. Um, so yeah, I guess like, you know, you've got to like make time to like, sort of like answer that, that dark truth inside of you and like, just say yeah. like, fuck it, I can't be bothered today. You know what I mean? So Trasso, I don't think, did we say this explicitly, um, that you're also in Abrascadabra? I don't know if we said that. I don't think we have. Yeah. Yeah. Not yet. No. Let's establish that for people that you're not just from <laughs> Brazil, but you're from yeah. famed Brazilian ska punk band, Abrascadabra. Oh yeah. Oh, thank you. Great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, yeah, I've been, Abrascadabra has been my, well, my baby band. It's, it's 20 years old this year and we've been together for, yeah this amount of time and when i moved to the uk like the first time that abrascadabra was uh coming to the uk we had like three festivals that booked but that was for like a four week um run that we had the you know the, the flight tickets booked from everyone else from brazil to here i was trying to connect with promoters and venues and stuff and that wasn't working so that's when the idea came to my mind in speaking to the actual bands from the ska punk scene and then i met the popes and the rest is history but yeah, they all, uh, I think I got in touch with Arvin first and he's like, yeah, just come to this gig that we have. Then I went there, we got in touch. That gig was bloody amazing. Like I had no idea that they didn't have like a, a fixed lineup. Uh, and then I met Arvin a couple of days later because we live kind of in the same neighborhood in here. And it's like, oh yeah, that's Texas is depth. And I'm like, oh. Oh, I was like, and I was like, oh, I thought you, I thought you were just a singer. Oh, you play sax as well. Wow. Okay. Yeah, and then yeah, and then I joined them, and uh, and yeah, it's been fucking great. It's been like I've learned so much from from all of them, and I still learn so much from all of them every I've year. Learned from you, and that buddy. definitely makes its way into Abrascadabra's um, music and my musicality and, and, and as a whole, to be honest. How do you balance living? I mean, you're part time in in the UK and part time in Brazil. How does that work? No, I'm full time in the UK, really. Um, so Abrascadabra is a seven piece band when I'm with them in a six piece without gotcha. me. So it's like, it's still a lot of people. Yeah. So uh, we just, they just play whenever they are in Brazil, they just play as the same band, but without the sax parts. And everyone basically sings in the band. So they share my vocals and they share my parts of the vocals. Okay. Uh, so it, it's, it still works as a six piece. And then whenever we have an international tour, then uh, I meet them, whatever it is, and we just do it. Uh, but yeah, I'm full time in here, to be honest. I just go back to Brazil to, you know, the eventual like holidays and stuff. But then obviously we always book a show whenever I'm there. Yeah. So. so the next one, uh, the next Abrascadabra, like full show is going to be in December because I'm going to be there with all nice. in Brazil. Uh, yeah, apart from that, it's only international tours. Because in Brazil, it's a different, it's a very different way of touring than in America, in which, you know, you go on a four week, five week run and then you do all the cities and stuff. In Brazil, it's more like, uh, you play in a state in the, you know, Friday and Saturday, go back home. And then if it is a tour next week, you go to a different state. Uh, there's no, there's no like really long run. So it's not really feasible for me to go back to Brazil to do that and come back like London. London is London. It's a big city. It's a, it's an expensive city. I've got a life here. I got a lot of stuff to do here. So it's just, yeah, it's just not, not worth it. Sure. Um, if it was a, a big tour, I would probably go, go back and do it with them. But. Um, not it, it didn't happen in this last 
it is in Brazil only outside. Gotcha. All right, so let's talk a little bit about the uh, history of popes. Um, When when did the band form? I I saw different dates online, so I'm going to ask you. Yeah, I mean, like, so the the current lineup we've been together like since since Trosso and Mike were in the band. So like, we did this album together, um, and I think like you know me, Jack, and Arvin, like we've been like in the band for like over ten years now. So we would like uh, all the four albums that we've done together. That's have been like me, Jack, and Arvin as like the uh, the core of the band. And that's, so that was around like twenty eleven. That uh, probably even older actually. It probably goes, I think when we first started jamming with that particular core would have been you know before the first debut album. I think, I think that goes back to like yeah two thousand and ten at least two thousand and nine maybe even. But um, there was a while of, of of us sort of playing gigs and stuff and sort of uh, forming the songs and everything before we went in uh, to record it. Um, but you know it's 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 a band with a long um, you know sort of very very long history and you know one thing things that led to another and um uh but yeah but yeah feel free to sort of ask anything on the on the old timeline you guys met at college in nottingham yeah so basically like um i met um, the guys who were in the band before like um uh, rishi austin and and treat boy ewan and uh, yeah so we like we were, jam- we were jamming around at, at university in nottingham and um yeah it's like doing open mic nights and writing songs there together um i, I was in another band at the time as well called the mighty jalalabad uh, which never got off the ground, but just sort of reference that for a laugh. Um, and um, yeah, so like we were like just jamming about and um, writing songs together. And like, so the first gig that we played, um, I was dressed up in a gorilla suit at the at the at the student union. We were doing Battle of the Bands, and um, yeah, the, the band that once did a, did, did a cover of the band that won did a cover of Arctic Monkeys. I bet you look at them the dance floor. It sounded nothing like how they played at Glastonbury this year. I have to say. Um, it sounded actually like how it sounds on the record, but you know, that's, that's not the story. Um, but yeah, like, um, so we like, we, we started a uni and started jamming around with that. And then, um, yeah, like over, over the next couple of years, like people, people dropped out and the lineups sort of changed. Oz stayed in the band, uh, singing with me on the, uh, on the first album that we did, Words of the Wise. And then Treat Boy stuck around for, for that album as well. But then after that first album, um, you know, Treat Boy and Austin, uh, moved on and then we got, uh, another guy called Tom in played the guitar, and then we had um, we had Micah on 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 sax because Liz had been in the band before that, Mama Liz, and um, yeah, like um, she she wanted to do something else anyway. So and so it was great. She like she like did a lot of um, sax parts for us later on and helped us with that the sort of stuff anyway. Um, and then yeah, like um, in the current lineups, definitely the, the strongest we've been and we've been like pretty solid in this. And like, I think this is like the most the most energetic we've been, and you know, definitely like. The most solid we've been uh, as a group as well like t- technically and you know, harmoniously and you know when we're like when we're performing it seems like you know a lot easier um just seems to like seem to gel and i think like the influences that we've all got and like the like the sort of thing like when we talk about colin firth there like the sort of like the, the things that we bring to the table in terms of right songwriting it makes so much sense now all of us six together yeah so that first show, uh, I think I found an old interview where somebody in the band said that maybe it was you that didn't go well and that you had to restart a song. Ooh, where was that? Was that Barfly or something? No, I think this is like um, this is down at Nottingham Students Union, mate. I mean, uh, to be honest, I can't bloody remember that. Like, <laughs> that was like <laughs> that was so many years ago. I remember being hot as hot as anything hot as hell in my gorilla costume with my old dirty bastard t-shirt on i remember that and i remember having a tray of sweets that I was handing around to the crowd i remember dancing on top of a pool table um i remember 
oh, I can't even remember like half of the songs we played because the songs we played then, like they they didn't even they weren't even on the like the first album. Do you know what I mean? They were just like different kind of songs, and that's like the evolution of the band. Like we started off like almost like more of a like kind of a, a slower pace kind of reggae vibe, and I was definitely mm-hmm. just like just like toasted at toaster MC and in the band. Um, but yeah, I, don't, I can't remember restarting a song, but it wouldn't. I wouldn't say that would be the only time that had happened. Do you know what I mean? Like that sounds like it would have been something. Yeah, something probably before. Um, so yeah, it, it, it. I think around that time it was very much. So there's, you know, I guess there's, there was there was a little bit of a history before. Uh, you know, the first debut album. Um, I got, you know, I kind of met sort of Austin and, and Rishi and um, uh, you and because uh, I live in Ealing. Um, as well, and sort of sort of played with them uh, for a while, and um, uh, Matt um, as well. Would uh, you know? Sort of Matt, met Matt through them as well, and um, that sort of led up to. I think it was just a, a sort of lo- a period of uh, playing some more sort of reggae shows quite quite locally, and it was. I think they were at their early. You know, prior to that, it was it's very much uh, sort of influenced by um, uh, sort of. A French reggae band called called Trio. So it was, it was very different to the Pope's, um that sort of stemmed from from its debut um, album. Um, I guess so. In a sense, it was almost two very different bands, um, and mm. uh, you know, it sort of ended up leading towards um, uh, you know uh, finding members and um, looking for uh, a drummer. I remember, and uh, we stumbled across finding Jack. Uh, fortunately and um uh yeah sort of around 2009 2010 i guess that's when we started forming the songs for for the first album which is a sort of a bit of the uh you know i guess more familiar with the with the popes uh, you know people know today so we before we were recording we were talking a little bit about um the household name records sort of scene like mm-hmm. countdown light ear adequate 7 etc seems like that that had kind of peaked and kind of died a bit by the time you guys get going do you do you feel like do you have like a direct connection to that or was that an influence at all well i'm I'm curious your the, the way you see your place in light of that yeah i think that's a massive influence like um especially especially cap down and, and king prawn um, and listening to those bands growing up like cap down was definitely my favorite band um when i was a teenager and i'd say you know king prawn was a was a very close run second um that's probably because I only had one King Prawn CD in the house at the time. But then, as you know, as as um, as, the, as the years gone by, you know, we've been lucky enough to you know to play on the bill with uh, with King Prawn King Prawn a bunch of times, and they're, they're really solid geezers. They played with Cap Down at festival, so you know that was that's nice as well. Um, and um, yeah, I think it's like you know it's that it's it's that harder element. You know, you have like with Cap Down, you have like the more dis- distorted guitars and the heavier side of things, which really you know. Influence more like the more like kind of the screaming vocals uh, or the metal vocals, you know, that I like to do. But with King Prawn, you have that sort of that that more sort of like sort of like um, almost like Balkan kind of harmonic minor vibe, which you know, like from System of a Down, like inspired us as well. Like we like to to mess around with that. Yeah, it's got that sort of Eastern sound. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. To be honest, I I, I remember at the beginning, I I I, I know you. Uh, these guys sort of introduced definitely me to the ska punk stuff. I sort of, I, I guess I joined the, the sort of first sort of early phase of Pope's uh, because of 
uh, just being a, a you know like I said a sort of dub orientated uh, bassist but I did you know I knew early 80s ska and stuff like that but um, I didn't really know much about what was going on in the scene I remember Matt telling me about oh, have you heard um, like King Prawn and, and Cap Down and I was uh, you know at the time I was like oh is that like sort of like sk- skater punk uh, sort of stuff and everything he's like no not at all no it's better so that scene had kind of what was the state of the scene for bands playing Scott punk sorry yeah it had it had kind of fizzled out it wasn't you know yeah there was still i'd say there was still um elements of it going so i think a lot, a lot of people describe that particular genre or that style probably may, maybe more to, towards what they call the, the, the uk scar core um sort of scene um but you still had echoes of um that sound and and bands that were i mean when we were there in the early days we you know was um playing some gigs with uh, uh mouthwash i don't know if you're, you're familiar with, with with mouthwash um uh, there's a band mm-hmm. called clay pigeon um as well obviously, obviously random hand and sonic boom six um they're all sort of you know i guess that they, they were carrying that mm-hmm. sound um and it was very much um you know uh, very much a thing of the era. Yeah, there was a scene that was still going. Yeah, there was it was still bubbling away, but it just it, it wasn't. You know, I wouldn't say it ever, it ever went away. It just didn't have the numbers of. Uh, you know, it didn't wasn't this, the, the big venues that you know, like mm-hmm. I guess Captain have been playing when they've been in their prime. Um, but yeah, Scar scene is never going to go away. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. To to me, Sonic Boom Six seems kind of more the like uh, spiritual predecessor of of kind of where you guys have taken the sound a little bit. A little bit. I can see. I can see why uh, why uh, people see that. Uh, I think there's a lot of um, a lot of it goes back to to sort of early. I think sort of early. Uh, well, not speaking for Sonic Boom Six, but I think there is a thing of like a sort of rave culture, a certain sort of era. You know, like what Matt was talking about earlier. Um, that's always been you know something we carry with us. Um, we've always talked about doing that sort of sound uh, in the, the earlier Pope days, but. Um, you know, just uh, I think now's the time where where we sort of um, pulled it off in a well, pulled it off, but you know, brought it to the table in the same way. Yeah, I think I think you'd say there'd be like um, there'd be a couple of tunes where I, where I could see a sort of like a more sort of like uh, obvious influence from from Sonic Boom Six in terms of like maybe the um, the production uh, yeah. values of the, of the track. Um, but I think that wouldn't be consistent across the whole of the new album. I think that's where like we try to be quite diverse and because we've got so many influences we wouldn't want to make a whole album that was sort of like you know um that you know you know sort of kind of the same in in in, in a lot of places um we'd like to have to draw inferences from from as many things as possible because you can you're not going to make a you know a 30 track album so you know you might, you've got to try and get an, a lot of diversity into like the 14 i mean i don't have any tracks on it it's like 12 13 whatever it is but yeah so i guess there's a bit of cap down in there a bit of sb6 bit of um bit of the other bands we play with as well because like the more you like tour with each other and, and bounce off each other then you know a bit of barstool preachers here a bit of call me mountain there a bit of um bit of treehouse fire and the other you know like it's all um it's all just you know people going up and down the country playing together and you know a bit of imperial leisure a bit of carl phillips a bit of whatever you know just like having just just having having a good time and like making the same kind of music yeah there's a lot of um i was going to say there's a lot of you know in terms of that sound you're talking about in the sonic boom six and there are a lot of bands out there doing that maybe they they don't get about as much but you should definitely check out a band called um Hulumanati from um i think they're, they're from up, up in derby or nottingham or somewhere up north and and they've, they've been you know um 
that, that you know I guess they're, they're not as I don't know if they, they gig around uh, London and, and stuff as much, but they they very much mix a lot of those sort of elements that uh, you know that you picked up on with the, with the same way. They played down Moon Cross Inn, didn't they, when we were last there? Was... I don't know. If, um, I think they might have. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've seen them. I've seen them around. I've seen them at festivals and stuff like that. But they they've got the real sort of kind of mishmash of stuff going on and like filthy, dirty synths and um, uh, that kind of thing. But yeah, no, de- definitely worth a check out. Yeah, I can see a lot of the like. Especially when we play with with all these bands uh, here across the UK, uh, and we were when we were writing the the album as well, it was quite clear that when we went to like I always remember this gig that we did with um, Counting Coins up north in Leeds, and then it was just a banging gig. They they killed it, and then the next week on the jam room, we were all kind of unconsciously but consciously like putting some stuff that we've heard on that show into the tracks, and that happens all the time whenever we go and play with. Like Risky or Risky for me, it's always a very influential band as well. Like their their gigs are just amazing, and everyone else and it just makes it makes its way into the songs like kind of unconsciously because we are yeah we are all part of this uh, of the same thing, and I can see a lot of the influence from like production style for for Popes before I joined in, and afterwards uh, there's a lot of I think that a lot of UK bands they try to keep it very natural like the sound very natural there's not it's like um, intentionally not overproduced which is great and that gives it a lot of character as well but then as matt was saying as well you having that um diversity inside the album so in this album in take a picture i think we did do a lot of like you know stepped over you know this not overproduced stuff and let's say oh in this track let's do this and let's do that and i think the amalgamation of everything like you know turned it into what is at the moment yeah, so like you know, like off the new album, like that song, like um, Crash Mat is um, definitely you can hear some some of that sort of like Sonic Boom Six kind of vibe in there, um, definitely with the ele- the electronic effects and stuff. And then like with Short Straw, maybe it's a bit more sort of sort of cap downy here and there. Mm-hmm. But then like um, yeah, like um, other tracks, I'd say it just you know you could, people would have to tell us what they think it sounds like because I'm not even sure. Do you know what I mean? It's just, like, <laughs> it's just what. It's just what happens, you know. What I mean, we just make the tunes. We don't, you know. It's a bit, it's a bit subconscious, really. So, your first album, "A Word to the Wise," um, comes out in 2013. Um, so, Matt, I have a question for you. Um, I've I've noticed some I've noticed some running themes in your lyrics, and I think there's a song on the first record. I think touches on both of the two themes I see commonly. The song's uh, "Tooting Sky Moon," and uh, yeah. I feel like I feel like you frequently talk about questioning society and what like and how society says you're supposed to live your life and um i also feel like you talk about kind of fighting the apathy towards like the injustice of the world like if it's not personally affecting you like who cares like that kind of um, vibe so anyways that's that song has both of the those things talked about it but i, I kind of see it come up quite a bit so i'm curious on your your take on that yeah i think that's like it's it's a, it's a kind of like tale as old as time like people talking about you know wanting to be free and trying to escape the mundanity and the predictability of, um, of, of everyday life. Um, I think, you know, you know, coming, coming from London, it's like you, it's, it's the, um, one of my, one of my favorite little expressions and boys will have heard this a thousand times would be something from the poet Gabriel Garcia, um, um, Lorca. I think he said Gabriel Garcia Lorca. Anyway, Lorca, whatever his name is, right? Um, and it's like the the it's the, absor- the the sea represents the absorption of the individual and in, into anonymity. And I always feel that London is like a, a a big sea, like a big a a big a big pool of nothingness where you know people can just like just vanish into 
you know, just just to be like dust particles lost in 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 the in the abyss of, of a mass population. I think coming from South London, you just you realise that there's just like so many people that like every day you step out of your house that like you never see the same people twice. So trying to find meaning in something seemingly so meaningless, like every day where you know you're not even sure if you're making a difference because you're not even sure if anyone notices you're actually there. And try, trying to sort of just make your own stamp on uh, like just uh, um, just like a, a massive ex- expansive space where you don't know if your footprints will ever you know stay there longer than two minutes is really difficult. Um, so like trying to in that song I think it's like talking about like um, it's not against the law. I want to break the mold or something like that. But I think that you know a lot of people feel that in their, in their sort of like their teenage or or, or twenty age angst life of, of just trying to do something original with your life and trying to just like live life by, by your own set of principles. And I think like we all, we all try and do that. And I've always tried to do that. Just trying to do like whatever it is that makes me happy. Um, so like, like my daddy told me and go and earn some money. I'd much rather be living where I'm happy. So I think that really means like just, you know, living, living anywhere, really living in, living in the countryside, really escaping from that, that, that mass homogenized nonsense of, of city living. And um, yeah, it's like celebrating your own individuality, I guess. Like mm-hmm. just like just just wanting wanting to be free of it. So I think the course, like you know, we'll ever be free tomorrow. We'll ever be free today. Well, I mean, maybe, maybe not. <laughs> um, you might just sort of just just try again tomorrow. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. and I guess then the other side of that too is like the um, fighting the, the the apathy towards actually caring about like all the things going on in the world. You know the the injustices the. Uh, all the problems of the world how it's easy to sort of tune that out and to not care it's it's like recycling a plastic bottle like people say well what's the point because like because that's the point do you know what i mean like if you don't if you don't do one little tiny thing then it doesn't in the bigger picture doesn't matter at all so like if you if you if you want to change the big things you've got to focus on the small things yeah it's pretty cliche but it's, it's kind of true so like just like just try and do something good with your with your life every day then you'll sleep better at night and that'd be better for you. But also like you're, you're benefiting everyone else by just like not being a complete selfish bastard and just <laughs> ru- ruining the planet and ruin other people's days. Yeah. I think it's very interesting how coming from a different place, like that feeling that you have as maybe it's kind of overwhelming for me, it's very freeing because at the same time that you're in a city where you're nobody, you can do whatever the fuck you want. Right. Cause it's like, that's that's that element to it as well like no one will care no one will you know uh where i come from it's a it's a very much much smaller city and i felt like like an artist in there like you know i was always being watched and judged by other people and i don't feel that way being in london and being in pubs Uh, it's a much more freeing feeling than most of the places on earth i think uh, have I saw a post that you made on the the Pope's Facebook page about the New Cross Inn in London. You called it your spiritual home. Can you talk about that venue? Because this is kind of an iconic punk ska venue, right? Yeah, well, it's start to be honest. Uh, so the New Cross Inn used to be, um, you know, quite quite a well known London venue. I think it's sort of, um, you know, I've played gigs there in previous bands, and um, it uh, there was a, a. I don't know if do you know Paul Smith. You know, Paul Smith. Of course, I know Paul Smith. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was going to say silly, silly question. There's, there's two people everyone knows: it's Paul Smith and Trosso. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> but like in, in in the early days, um, uh, you know, when we first met Paul, Paul, um, and this is with the sort of uh, you know, I guess the, the word to the wise era 
uh, lineup. Um, he was putting on some shows in Kent, uh, where where you know where he lived, and um, he started running these shows just on on weekends and Sundays, which were like all uh, uh, sort of all day uh, ska punk um, gigs, and they were just doing very well and he crossed the people well attended there was a buzz going on um you know he created a bit of a scene there and um from there he just sort of built um you know something up and then ended up um sort of uh you know uh promoting for the venue and and uh working for the venue and um just you know put, putting more regular nights from scar punk bands and um you know so so it, you know it ended up becoming a spiritual home uh you know obviously not just for us but uh you know all the other bands and very big bands as well he managed to put like goldfinger in there and les and jake and uh, yeah it's a 300 maybe cap so yeah i think it's quite impressive that he managed to do that so yeah i think people respect it a lot uh, online i found uh like a a biography on the venue itself and it said uh that it's been there for 400 years wow I didn't know that. <laughs> Do you know it has such a massive effect on on people in the community though. Like there's this, there's this guy, is it, is it Craig Nicholas Darren? Like he made the new cross yeah, yeah. out of Lego. <laughs> oh, yeah. I remember seeing that. That was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Check that out on Facebook. Like he made it out of Lego, and like he's like the, the detail in that is just fucking ridiculous. Like even like even like the ur- the urinal cakes, the urinal cakes, whatever you want to call them. Like, <laughs> like it's uh, he like he he went he went to town on that. And I think that's 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 the connection that people have with the place. Like, people know exactly all about the crackheads outside. They 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 know about the the, ch- the chicken shop around the corner. I mean, other people would know the name. I can't actually remember it. But um, yeah, it's just it's just so cool. And like the the the, the um, it's it's a it's 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 nothing short of a miracle that the floor has not collapsed in that place. <laughs> I was just thinking about the floor and what you said about the four hundred years. <laughs> You go downstairs like t- to relieve yourself during the um during the gig, and then like um like there's people jumping about upstairs, and there's just like this ominous creaking, and you can literally see the floor bellowing um underneath the weight of of two hundred three hundred people skanking about the place, and yet it's still standing, and you know and uh, hopefully it'll never never fall through, you know. It's, uh, it's not on wood. That's what we hope. I believe I, I was looking at a photo. Uh, has the uh, pole? It has a pole on stage, right? It does have a pole on stage, which is yeah. better than a pole in the middle of the dance floor. <laughs> <laughs> what were we talking before we were recording? You guys were talking about a different venue called the Underground. Yeah, the Underworld. The Underworld has a pole right right in the middle of the of the dance floor. Okay, so what was what was the thing you guys were talking about about people licking it? Oh yeah, like I mean, just like it's just you know that's a, that's that's, a, that's an old wives' tale, isn't it? Of people lick, being dared to lick the pole in the middle of the dance floor at the underworld. I mean, I wouldn't do it yeah. personally, but you know, whatever, whatever gets you through a Friday night. Um, uh, but yeah, like we try to get people to circle pit around it, um, which yeah, sometimes is easier than others. You know, like the, some some people fall over and some people get picked up. But that's like that's the great thing about like a, like a, a heavy show that's ska punk punk or metal. Or, I, I don't know if you get it too much in hardcore. People probably just like jump on top of each other a bit more on that, but. Um, you know, like everyone. Pushed. Yeah, no, no one smashes. No one smashes into the pole. No one, no one smashed their head into the pole yet. So, so everyone's pole conscious. No, I haven't seen that. But like, we we have had to stop gigs before when like people have like been knocked out. Like, not like yeah. just just like they've fallen yeah. off stage or they've whacked their head on the floor, and it's like okay, 
yeah, we'd better stop and check you're all right. <laughs> um, have Have any of you ever been injured badly during a show? No, nah, but I kicked I kicked Mike into the back of the stage from Upper Upper Brudenell <laughs> Social Club the other the other month. Actually, me and Mike both did like sort of like you know a rock and roll kind of like jump and kick midair. Um, but we like our, our feet like proper connected, and I guess I must have been more balanced um, just like uh, by luck. <laughs> I just basically like kung fu kicked him like across the stage and he landed up at, like crashing into these curtains at the back of the stage um could have been a lot worse you know but um I, yeah. i've fallen into drum kits several times i've um yeah I've, uh, yeah i i think i've i've I've, uh, I've slipped on my on spilt guinness many times yeah so mm. what fucking <laughs> carry on who gives a shit yeah i think that's always like this very underlying sense of like getting hurt on the gig but that makes it more fun i think because we're all <laughs> Yeah, you have to lead by example, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Do you guys have any any pre-show rituals or anything that you uh, all do before hitting the stage? We, we, we like a good stretch, don't we, Trosser? Yes, good stretching. It's necessary. Yeah. So especially when you have a run of shows and you're, you're doing that every day. Yeah, for me, for me, it's the stretching. I do at least like 15 minutes of stretching before every show. Yeah, I might, I might do about nice. like about two minutes I, I basically i see him doing it for a while and i'm like i'm still getting my equipment i'm like oh, i should have a little stretch really i just sort of little limber up yeah i also get a red bull one hour before stage i, I, I drink a red bull That's yeah it. i like a bit <laughs> of um but make it up sort of like vocal remedy especially if you're on the road like like one or two gigs like no one really cares like you can sing everybody how you want if you're doing a string of dates you have to do like sort of like honey and lemon and ginger and onion tea which yeah. is the more it's developed over the years, it's basically become a soup. I guess like the old honey and ginger or honey and lemon. I've left the, the, the onion out of it the last couple of years, I have to say. Yeah, I've never heard of onion before. Yeah, onion. I don't know. Someone says that she wants then you end up doing it. I think it was, um, was it the Slackers? Was it the Slackers who told us about the onion tea? What does the onion accomplish? No, it was Steve. No, it was uh, Hackney. Oh, Rose yeah, of course. It was uh, Steve. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Classic Steve. Yeah, classic Steve. <laughs> um, I don't know. The onion is supposed to like, you know, just get a third of an onion. That's how he said it, wasn't it? And just chop <laughs> it up, put it in a cup of tea and just top it up. Just keep topping it up. And um, I don't know. I just believed him. And like, I kept doing it for years and years and years. But it stank out the van so much. I think I've sort of like knocked it on the head. And like, oh, yeah, you know, for sure. the, the, the soft drinks market has, um, has, has progressed. Like you can buy these like bottles of like ginger shots now. So like you can get like this, um, this week's worth of like ginger shots in a bottle. So I'll probably neck that in a day and a half and um, that'll set you up nicely. But I think it's like that sort of like juxtaposition of like being ready to perform, but then also like being ready to like, be like, you know, have a couple of Guinness on stage and then like, you know, just, you know, wreck yourself a bit at the end of it. I mean, it is a party, isn't it? Do you know what I mean, yeah. What's, what's the proper length of time to have a, a bag of tea in your teacup? It depends what tea it is, isn't it? Like if, if I'm having like a lemon and ginger tea, the bag stays in. The bag stays in. Okay. You leave the bag in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. If it's, if it's, if it's a herbal tea or it says yogi in it or anything, keep, keep the bag in. If, it, if it's an Earl Grey, maybe, maybe keep the bag in. Otherwise, keep it in for about 10, 15 what? seconds. Swirl it around. Take, take the bag out, then put the... That quick. Nah, man, I wouldn't be taking out any bag of tea before like three minutes. Yeah, I would. I would say three. Oh, okay, we've all got we've all got different different teams. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is what ends the band right here. No, this is the sort of conversation. You know, like I wish we weren't having this conversation because this is like a good hour's worth of van chat we could be having in a month's time. Yeah, we'll, 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 we'll save the full length version of this one for then. Because sometimes, you know what I mean. At one in the morning, like you, you do, run out of things to talk about occasionally. How do you guys spend time in the van? 
we used to we used to have a lot of like a lot of religious books. So we used to like you know read read the Bhagavad Gita or like read the Quran or like um, just make up games or um, you know like yeah, classic games like you, you start in a van. Like, there's a bit of cellar tape. There's a cup. It's like throw the cellar tape on the cup, or then it's like throw the cup around the table, blue tack it, and then throw the cellar tape. A lot of lot of lot of bottle flipping goes on. A lot of chatting shit. A lot of like um, slam poetry. A lot of uh, I mean, a lot of just like yeah, a lot of sort of political debate. A lot of um, a lot of absolute bollocks, really. Just just talk chatting absolute breeze. Yeah, it's the breeze. Breeze is the word. Uh, there's 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 good London words for chatting nonsense, chatting fraff, chatting breeze. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I don't know, really. Just sort of like, what about freestyling? Freestyling? Well, I know, yeah, yeah, we do. So, like, we had. Um, I'm always trying to push the agenda for new tunes. So, like, if I every sort of third <laughs> jam trip, I'll have that. I'll have the guitar out, and I'll be like, and then we just released a new album, like the fourth album. Um, sure. But like, we got the the fifth album. Like, you know, that's kind of ready to go. So let's like. Um, I'm always trying to like push the envelope like either in the band in the van for that or like when we get on stage if we've got like a spare two minutes and the sound guy's busy I'll just start singing a new song so like just so these guys can hear oh look we're on a stage we're playing that song so when it actually comes to like actually putting it in the jam room or like trying to record it and then actually playing it live it's like all these little steps to like realizing yeah yeah, yeah little yeah, bits yeah, of yeah. content the more people hear it you know and also for me, just like practice it in a new space. But yeah, so freestyling, like Trosser, you had the um, the ukulele out recently. That was that was quite that was banging. The ukulele, I was playing the guitar. I bring in the ukulele quite regularly as well. But, well, as as many instruments that we can have around to yeah, just create some stuff. That's always good. Yeah, nice. awesome. ukulele in the van. That's a good uh, piece of advice for touring bands. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it doesn't take up too much space either, so you can do that. Yeah. Well, Matt's got a, a little, you, you got like a version of Logic or something on your phone as well, which as we record stuff. Yeah. So sometimes I piss about with that as well. Yeah. Got like garage band on the phone. So that's, that's, yeah. that's a good way to do things and just like remix stuff. And I've actually got to do like a bit on that after this, actually, like there's, um, there's, um, there's some dude who's also from America, actually, he was, wants us to do some sort of scar cover of Robbie Angels, uh, Robbie Williams Angels. Chosser, you did a sax part for that, didn't you? Yeah, I did. Yeah. Who, who's this person? Uh, what's his name? Nob Nob Ross. Yeah, Nob Ross. The band is what his yeah. Instagram Nob is, Ross. but I think his name's Rob, Rob, right? Yeah, he introduced himself as Nob actually. I think when he was here. So, yeah. Okay. Anyways, so yeah, we're gonna like do a little do a little track with him anyway. Um, um, so yeah, like just you can just do that on the garage band. It's just like a bit of fun, isn't it? Yeah, it's a good way to spend your time. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, always be writing. Like, like we say, we like we learn a lot from like our, from each other and from like our own experiences, bands we listened to growing up, and other bands on the scene. But definitely learn a lot from each other. And like, like Trosser, you you teach songwriting, isn't it? At university. Yeah, I've been teaching in the university for about two years. So, like you, you you taught me so much, man. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Man. You too. You too. It's mutual. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, like one of the things like you were saying to me, like about a year ago which is about the importance of the first line so like a lot of the, the a lot of the tracks been writing recently are just trying to get that that first line right and um yeah so i won't give away any of the first lines from the tracks on the on the fifth album which ain't to be released yet what's a good rule for coming up with a first a good first line well i think like what you know what trosso said earlier like linking it to you know like to to move from the from the specific to the general or from the general to the specific, you have to do one, either, either one of those things. Like you think of a band, 
um like um like the cure or something like that like they're, they're quite mm. quite vague and mysterious with their lyrics or like you think about like uh, an old troubadour like jake thackeray and it's like it's ridiculously specific talking about some old scabby cat um, <laughs> um i think that you have to have that that sort of like um ethereal um abstractness to um to to a, to a lyric where you can engage the most amount of people as possible within that first line um so i think like you know take a picture it'll last longer i don't need that part of my soul anymore like everyone's had a photo taken so like everyone can relate to that immediately if they want to um but i think it has to be has to be catchy um but it has to also be like something you haven't heard before like some people like you know fall into the trap yeah. of like writing a chorus which's like oh you know i can't do this anymore or oh this just feels the same or um oh you know like, i mean i'm just thinking about like things like right now oh these you know this you know i don't know <laughs> i just <laughs> nonsense here i'm trying to think these these shoes are the best shoes i've ever worn i don't, I don't know what that means at all. <laughs> that's actually kind of a cool chorus yeah you should yeah uh, flesh that out a little bit yeah maybe oh you know the songs about shoes there's definitely songs about shoes Hey guys, this song's about the ones and twos. It's about the socks and the shoes. The rhythm and the yeah. blues. It's about me and you. Um, yeah, I don't know what makes it what makes a good song. It's whatever whatever catches your ear, really, isn't it? And um, yeah, just like um, like damage off the new album. It's like talk to someone, talk to anyone. You know, that's like it just seems like you know it's like a cry for help, but it's also a, a helpful comment at the same time. It's like self reflective. It's um, it's 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 yourself speaking to yourself. I don't know, really. Just like, it's just yeah. I don't think there's any rules, but it's definitely a way to keep the listener engaged. When you're like on your first line, you're already speaking about something that people can relate to, or that people can see themselves in that same situation. It it just brings the attention to the song, and it's like, okay, tell me more about that. Like you know, instead of like if you come up with a first line that is like too generic or yeah, that it's not yeah. meaningful, it's like okay, yeah, I've heard that before, you know. So. Mm-hmm. probably you don't have anything like too deep or too relatable for to to tell me after that but if you start with that punch line it's like okay oh um you you got my attention now now tell me more about what you, what this song is about and about what you want to say and about your experiences that's how i see it yeah i think sound of silence is a great one like hello darkness my old friend that's a banger yeah so as a as a as a person with a, a history and an experience being a newspaper magazine writer Yes, the opening line is very important. Exactly. You want to hook people immediately. Otherwise, yeah, they may just say like, "This is there's nothing here for me." But if you get them, if you get them in that first line, that first paragraph, then they'll continue yeah. to read. So applying that same logic to songwriting. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, it's it's easier to keep people's attention until the end, which is what you want. You don't want people to listen to half of your song and then just press skip. And especially nowadays, in which yeah. the button is is just there in your hand. So if you if you're getting bored or if you lose interest in the song, you just press that button and listen to the next one. Yeah, you, you ain't even got to find the button. You just like swipe it. Do you know what I mean? Like, and that's uh, <laughs> you've got even less time to grab someone's attention. Yeah, or double tap your your Bluetooth yeah. headphones, whatever that does. Now it's like, yeah, it's crazy how how quick you can lose the listener's attention. And but yeah, I guess the lyric game has to be really strong nowadays. Yeah. So back to your second album, "To the Moon." I think it's like 2016 or so. Mm-hmm. You have a song called Wisdom Teeth, which I see, um, it's a great song, by the way, I see has the most streams. Is this the, on Spotify, is this uh, like your most, I feel like your most well-known song? Uh, yeah, I'd say so, yeah. Yeah. Any reason why? Is it just sort of like, 
caught on online, just popular favorite live? I think one is, you know, when it started off, it was very, it was very energetic live. Um, I think it was quite a, took a lot of sort of, uh, sort of dance ethos, uh, along with very sort of catchy lines and flowy lyrics. And, um, you know, I guess where it differs to sort of other tunes is, is, is sort of very cyclical um, in its uh, sort of uh, approach and instrumentally. Um, I don't know. The, the, the sub, the, it's, a, it's a good little uh, balance between, you know, so, some of the more kind of progressive um, stuff that we do and sort of minimalism. Um, and, uh, yeah, the, the, the people do say, oh, there's, you know, there's something about that track. Um, uh, you know, definitely at that time, I think that you know there was a big sort of fuse of of, of different ideas. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, that I mean, that era, like when we were doing that, it was um, so with Popes, we had you know with the, with the first album um, that had um, a sort of different lineup where some 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 of the, the, the sort of old uh, Pope uh, um, members uh, moved on and and left, and it was just stripped down to Jack, Matt, and myself. And we basically it was an era where we were re rebuilding um, the band, um, and you know I think in in, in that period um, there was yeah most of the to the moon came together and and, and wisdom teeth. Um, it, you know in terms of why why it's a popular one, it's it, you know li 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 the lyrics and the you know pe people love. I do see a lot of people sort of um, uh, singing along to the lyrics. Yeah, Matt, can you can you talk on the lyrics? Because it sounds like you know you're you're definitely expressing some anger in that song. I'm gonna talk about a few things about that. I think 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 about the um the lyrical content of that. Um, I guess in that song you got the the juxtaposition of um the very specific in the in in the verses versus the very general in in the chords, and then the sort of like you know the semi specific in in sort of like the the middle eight towards the end of the song. So like the chorus is very readily identifiable. I do as I say, not as I do. You know, everyone's heard that expression before, so you can sort of like draw your own inferences from that. Whereas, like the the verses, like they're much more they're much more specific to people observing um, sort of lad culture down Weatherspoons, which is like a, a chain pub that every town in the UK will have Weatherspoons, and it's like the cheapest place you can go to. But you know, they're always called like the Moon Underwater or the uh, um, the Wibbus Down In or um, you know the Funnel or, or something something ridiculously um, you know British like that. The lion and pineapple. Isn't it? The lion and pineapple. <laughs> fucking tasty white <laughs> down here. And the pints taste like fucking piss. Um, so you like it's 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 cheap and cheerful, but everyone knows what spoons is like. Everyone knows that there are these guys who will um you know um you know hold court in front of anyone who bloody listen, which are probably only the bar staff because they're they're still within earshot and they'll tell them exactly what they think about the world. Um, so it's about somebody. You know, it's written in the first person, but it's really me like um. Uh, projecting the ideas of, uh, of of an of an older gentleman, an older generation who you know perhaps think they've got more to say about the world than than they really do, um, uh -huh. and then like towards the end of the song, it's sort of like it's sort of like you sort of switch persons to um, to then observe that character um, from from the mother's side of things, and like you know saying wait till your father gets home. So the father who's been down the weather spins the whole night will then come and like take out his anger on you because no one's actually been listening to him down the pub. So I think, you know, you know, that's, that's what the lyrics are all about anyway. But I think that musically why it makes a lot of sense, that song is because, you know, it does sort of mesh together those different elements that we talked about. I mean, it's a, it's a ska punk song, but it starts in like six, eight time signature, which is a bit, which is a bit different. And then, um, 
you know, it's got a very, very simple riff, really, which was just like, just like written really simply on the guitar. But then like, once we'd written the guitar riff, you know, then Arvin came in with the bass line and then, then that led to the, the verses being written. And then I think the, I think the middle eight was kind of written first. So it's kind of like, and then, and then after all of that was in place, then we get the brass intro. And I think that's what people readily identify with it. Like the dun, 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 dun. So it's like, it just kind of makes sense. Like it wasn't, it wasn't written in a linear fashion. It's just, it's just like one of those things that's just made sense. There's different ways, the ways that happen with um, poker stuff. So, I've, you know, I've got, I've got this sort of memory with um, a wisdom teeth. There, there was, um, uh, you know, a fusion of ideas. You know, I had a couple of hooks uh, lying about um, and um, kind of brought that in. And I remember um, uh, Matt uh, sort of being like, yeah, let's try, try these chords. And then uh, I, I literally remember like, because it, it was quite repetitive and cyclical, and we're like, okay, where should we go from here? And Jack was like, I know, why don't we try a dun, 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 dun. Um, and then I remember Matt going back home and coming coming in and, and sort of having this breakdown section um, and stuff for the, for, for the middle eight. And we, you know, we sort of fused it all uh, together. And, um, you know, that was that. Mm. Well, I wasn't a part of the writing of the song, but I can tell about the, the live experience for me joining the band later. It was... Uh, I think we were actually having that chat before our last gig when we were kind of uh, introducing the new album to people and there was talks about uh, doing like a, a medley with this song in the middle of, you know, putting a song after that straight away. And I was against it because it's got like, it just creates its own universe and live is like, it's this transcendental like experience of listening to that five minutes, which uh, Matt said, it's not like linear, but it does have a linearity to it. And I think that there's so many points in which like the song changes and it keeps it really interesting. And you never know, you, you can never guess where the end is. And when the, when the end actually comes, it's like this mixture of like euphoria with like, oh my God, I'm glad this is done because it's like, it's, it's a lot of energy. And when, when you concentrate all of and the energy long. and it's long, it's like, fuck, like I'm, it just makes you feel all of that that is in the lyrics as well. So I guess it's uh, it's a very powerful song with the combination of all the elements. Mm, yeah. So I was reading a um, I was reading a blog, a UK blog, and uh, it was in 2018. And the and the the writer was he's reviewing a show. You were on the show, and there was a, some other bands. And uh, he said that he felt like that was a year 2018 where he really saw like a revival or a kind of a rising up of sort of a a new. UK ska punk scene, or maybe the audiences were growing. Some of the old bands were coming back. What's your guys' take on that? It's funny because I've, definitely from, from my point of view, uh, uh, throughout the years, I've, I've kind of that's a story mm -hmm. that kind of cycles over many times. I mean, even with us, it's like how many times are we like the new band on on the scene, but we're not. Yeah, we've kind of been been around. A long time, and um, but we, you know, I, I guess we've kind of rein, say, kind of reinvented ourselves, but we've uh, sort, sort of come up, come up with different stuff over, over the time, and, and therefore hitting new people um, that have probably just just heard us. But um, I've definitely seen that. I, th I think that that um, sort of quote or, or, or that idea that um, this is it, <laughs> it's, it's coming back. I, I think I remember hearing that back in in 2010 you know i remember hearing that in yeah. 2014 uh 2015 i remember hearing it now so i think it's it's always just been simmering um uh, and there's been some good 
you know, a lot of good stuff that's come out over the years. Um, but in terms of, you know, it's very hard to see if it, over that timeline, if there was a specific moment where, you know, I guess where, where, where it really peaked. Um, I, yeah, I don't know if that makes any sense. How how connected do you guys feel to sort of what's happening in the U.S. with like obviously Trasso? You're in a a band that's on Bad Time Records, but um, I'm curious if in general if you guys feel connected to sort of these new bands yeah. in the U.S. and Bad Time Records and and what's kind of happening here. Well, I I definitely feel a big connection because yeah, I've been there a couple of times and um with Abres Cadabra and they came over here as well and it's it, there is a big sense of like a, a family a community inside. Uh, bad time records and i'm in touch with them all the time but we definitely talk about this bands all the time and you know like i i don't know like i was saying earlier like i i you know uh when i was in early you know before i met uh pope um you know back in the day i was playing playing in a band completely different genre but you know i guess i guess the uh you know maybe the style of bass playing i, I did sort of lended itself quite quite well to uh the sort of um scar uh reggae stuff but in that, I, that personally, I, I, there was a lot of my homework that hadn't been done. So, um, you know, it's Matt that introduced me to Captain and King Prawn. Um, and there's a, even till today, I think you guys mentioned a band that everyone knows the tune. And, and I'm sort of a little bit in the dark about it. I mean, obviously, over the years of being in Popes, I've, you know, I've loved, you know, all, all the scene stuff and the stuff that gets introduced and the stuff that I've heard. So. Um, I, 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 it's something I definitely want to go out of my way to, to go and listen to and, and sort of see what's out there. I do feel a little bit disconnected. I don't know with Matt. Uh, um, yeah, if you, you, you know, I know Matt, Matt's way more in tune with what happens with Scarworld than, than I am. I mean, I think they're like, in tune with what's happening in this country. And I think I've always, I've always had eyes on this country, really and eyes and ears, you know, on, on this country. I, you know, I listen to like, um, a fair bit of skate punk and um that, that came out in the in the 90s but um you know more like i I've, i guess i like sort of bands more like lagwagon and, and pennywise and um and bad religion and the offspring and things like that i think like you know bouncing souls or you know mad caddies or um you know less than jake you know the st- standard standard staples of the of, of the scar and punk world that you know anybody would reference really um but I wouldn't really, it wouldn't really keep up with things that that were cu- coming out now. I think we would more if like if we, if we went out there and, and, and did tours out there, which we haven't done yet, um, just because we haven't sorted it out really. Um, but I know Trosser, you've been out there with Abrascadabras, so like maybe you know like some of the bands are out there making waves right now. But um, yeah, I guess like it's like there's is it is it is more of a sort of like um, it's more of a sort of like a major tonality to the um, the, the overarching musical themes to the music that they produce. And um, yeah, some some of the some of the darker elements of uh, of the of the ska punk, you know, music musical sort of um, landscape is that's that's what I identify with more readily, and I think we find that 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 darkness over here a bit more. I, th- I think you I think you'd like some of the new bands. I, I don't think they're I don't think they're they're not really they're not really similar too much to what the the popular '90s bands in the U.S. I think there's a new thing. That it's is more serious lyrically and stuff, and more interesting musically. That I think you would appreciate. Who would you recommend them? Well, you got you, you got to start with um, Catbite, of course. Bad Operation, Kill Lincoln. Oh no, we know Catbite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, we saw. I caught, caught them the other day. Saw them the other day. Yeah, they were great. Yeah, yeah. I knew Cross in actually. Um, it was the uh, their little tour uh, that happened recently. It was Kill was mm-hmm. it Cat, yeah. Catbite, Kill Lincoln. Yeah. And Malcolm opened up, and uh, Big D um, as well. 
yeah yeah it's cool and, and we get to like um uh, I, I don't know about you know obviously with newer bands what, what i saw there was amazing um especially live you know as, as it always is with ska bands um but uh you know in terms of bands we knew from the us and what once we played with um uh sort of that that go back um a bit further into history um you know stuff like uh voodoo glow skulls so you know i think that's always something that yeah. kind of resonates um quite strongly with us who's the bands in the uk that you feel like a right now that you feel like a kinship to like kind of in the similar levels as you i think we've probably mentioned all of them <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah there's not yeah there's, there's not there's not too many random hands uh risking the ridicule uh counting coins um call me malcolm they're always playing with them so. call me malcolm yeah 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 just i guess like you know the, the guys who do the heavier side of things as well um yeah who else um who else do we play with um Oh, yeah, famous idea, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, um, Imperial Leisure, I guess, like, you know, like we had a good time with them, like, o- over the years as well. They're back now, right? They broke up for a while. Ah, they're always breaking up and get back together. Oh, Barstool Preachers, obviously. Um, yep. You know, they're, they're a banging band. Um, yeah, Pook from Pook Out Records, he always has some, some interesting projects as well. He's always playing with us. Oh, yeah, he's an, he's an amazing musician. Yeah, he's an uh, absolute vocal. Uh, always gets around doing stuff. Yeah, so Redeemon is his is his band at the moment, and um, yeah, yeah, you got love, got to find love for, uh, for for JB Conspiracy as well. You know, they they got some banging tunes. They don't gig as much as they as they used to. I tell you what, it's funny that um, there are people that come up at shows and they they, you know, I think similar to what you're saying about Sonic Boom Six earlier, um, they sort of have a comment saying, sort of we we carry um, a lot of the. Um, echoes of the sound from that era so from that sort of cap down king prawn mm-hmm. um sort of uh, uh yeah earlier uh, do you know about a band you heard of a band called clay pigeons mm-hmm. yeah yes um so they you know i've heard a lot of like you know if that if that side of the scene was still going like they they they, they sort of see, see that in us yeah, i guess a band that we didn't talk about that uh, for me is a big influence and they were a big part of the for a long time and now they're a bit different but still in it's uh the skins oh yeah the skins obviously yeah 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 they're more to the like reggae side of things now but they still play a lot of yeah ska punk shows in here yeah but they definitely have the harder side of things especially in like i guess they've been on, on, on almost like a re- not reverse journey to us but like they I think they started out a, a lot heavier and now they're they're more much more consistently sort of like reggae dub reggae um mm-hmm. they've lost uh, you know, perhaps the, the regularity of those of those punk and metal elements. Yeah, but they still like. For I've seen them like probably like four or five times this year, and they play kept down. They play a kept down cover on on, on their set, for example, which which one brings in the, you know that uh, I don't remember the name of the song. Cousin Cletus, I think that's called. Cousin Cletus, yeah, 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 yeah. That that shows that you know they they know where they came from, and they still do some stuff to support it as well. Mm-hmm. And they've been playing with um, a lot of ska punks around, uh, ska punk bands around the world. Like they've been opening for the interrupters a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, never played the US. Nah, not yet. No. No, no, we haven't. Okay. Let's get it. Let's get it on the agenda. Let's 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 get you guys yeah. to the US. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I met I met the people from from Foley last year when I was touring with with Abra and I was just wearing a Pope's hoodie. 
they're like, oh, we fucking love that band. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I play in the band. And they're like, oh, let's make it work. And yeah. Yeah, it's, been, it's been talks around here. All right. So, Trasso, I'm putting this on you. This is your assignment. Yes. Since you've, I'm doing it. <laughs> you've turned to us. You got, you got connections. No, we can totally make it happen. Yeah. If if, if, I'm sure they'll let us in the country. It'll be fine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't go anywhere. If you want to hear the rest of this conversation, head over to our Patreon. Thank you for listening to In Defense of Scott. Please rate and review this podcast and tell a friend. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at In Defense of Scott. Pick up Aaron's book, In Defense of Scott, at your local bookstore or online. This podcast is edited by Chris Reeves of Ska Punk International. This is your co-host Adam Davis of Omnigon, leaving you by saying Ska now more than ever. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Hey, everybody. It's Barry from the What Podcast. Hey, it's Russ. Hey, it's Brian. And we are giving away two tickets to Bonnaroo 2024. These are GA+, and they include camping. Russ... How'd people get qualified? We want to hear your top artists to play on the Bonnaroo 2024 lineup. Call 423-667-7877 and tell us who we should check out. It's the What Podcast. Thanks.